0: That are close to you, that are looking on to you, will not be discouraged. So this is a highly contagious disease. Discouragement spread by even casual contact. People can be disheartened because you are discouraged. Imagine, you see Pastor Shen and you see him is so down. And he's trying to explain to you that something is discouraging him. You can lose your faith. Because it's somebody that's always smiling. Praise God. So today, like I said, Satan has sold all his weapons. Except that one. It's left for you not to allow him to use it against you. We shall be looking at the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, the whole chapter we are going to be looking at today. So I want you to open your Bible to that. So listen.
1: Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into rage and mocked the Jews saying in front of the his friends and the samaritan army officer what does this bunch of poor feeble jews think they are doing do they think that they can rebuild they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices do they actually think that they can some they can make something of stone from the rubbish heap and the charred ones at that Sobiet, the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked that stone wall would collapse even a fox walk along the top of it. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we have been mocked. May the scoffing fall back on their heads, and may they themselves become captive in a foreign land. Do not ignore Their guilt. Do not blot out their sin, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashrodites heard the work was going ahead, and the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers were getting tired. There is much rubbish, rubble in the move. And we had never been able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they knew what's happening, we will stoop, stoop down and, on them and kill them in the end of their work. The Jews who lived here near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas and I stationed people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears and bows. Then I looked over the situation and I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Do not be afraid of the enemies. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and the fight for your brothers your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our works on the wall. But from then on, only half of my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. Their leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were built on the wall and who were building on the wall the laborers carried on their work with on one hand supporting the load on the other hand holding a weapon all the builders had a sword belted on their side and the trumpeters stayed with me to sound the alarm then i explained to the nobles and the officials and all the people the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to where it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. The work We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. And I told everyone living outside the walls to stay, to stay in Jerusalem, the, that they and all their servants could help the guards duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, nor I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off their clothes. We carried our weapons with us all the time, even when we went for water. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Praise God. Amen. As a quick reminder. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, we saw how Nehemiah prayed. In chapter 2, was how God moved him from prosperity of Asia to desolation of Jerusalem. And in chapter 3, it was how the world worker discovered that in the kingdom work, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. And because These people work hard, because they have worked hard, their neighbors try to discourage them. Their neighbors try to intimidate them. That is what what we are looking at in chapter 4 today. Like I said earlier that uh, we'll be looking at the causes and cure for discouragement. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and to love our enemies. Maybe because they are the same set of people. If you love your neighbor, your neighbor might be also your enemy, but once you love him. So they might be the same set of people. That's why you need to love them. When the Jews were rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, this was the truth that need to be done. That was why Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem. But the people around them, if you look at the people of Jerusalem, the people around them, they need to love them according to the instruction of God. But this set of people are the same enemy. They surrounded them. And these people, they are real flesh. They have the same flesh, the same blood that runs in our veins also runs in them. So that means, they also, they are not immune to discouragement. They are not immune. But, when discouragement comes, that is where you know the maturity. That is where you understand the fate of that fellow that is going through that. If I would like to inform you that... Uh, you can know how strong a man is when something goes wrong. When I say a man, I'm not talking to just man, both woman and man I'm talking about. You can know them when things go wrong with them, or when things are imposed on them, or when they are made to wait. Or the common one that when we are cut off in traffic, some of us, we, we get annoyed quickly. We start saying so many things. So th- this is how you can test the patience of man. Even sometimes when we are tired, when we are tired and we are aching, ach- our body is aching us. Maybe any of our children come, you shout on them. You shout on them. This is how to test... Um, our patients. Some people, when all these things happen to them, they whine and they shine. Why some don't even care? Some become sad when little things happen to them. Can I have this uh, two screen on, please? This two screen is off. So, why some people also learn from their Situation. Others are filled with bitterness of whatever happened to them, and this causes discouragement. We can learn a lot from Nehemiah about how to deal with discouragement in the work of God. When you talk of discouragement, it can be external or internal causes. Next slide, sister. Discouragement can be caused by external or um, internal causes. But we'll be looking at the internal causes or external causes first. The world workers were initially excited. They began the work with great anticipation and joy, as we have read in that book. They were so happy that they, are do- they were doing the work. But all of a sudden, now I want to talk about the external causes. The number one thing is ridicule. Many of us, when we are ridicule, we get disturbed. We get carried away. If you look at verse 1 to 3, we have read it, but follow me as we are going along. Some dollars... Istikov, he was a governor of nearby territory, who no doubt feared the potential of strong Jerusalem, imagine as a threat to his territory. Now it is clear to him that he must do something to ensure that that wall was not built. Sister, go ahead with the slide. That that wall was not built, and so. He resorted the tools of loser. Because the loser, when they are are losing, they want to gather people together to join them. And I pray you will never follow loser in Jesus' name. But you need to be vigilant. If you are not vigilant, before you know it, you will follow the loser. So Sambalat uh, Sambalat was angry. So he resorted to loser ridicule. He ridiculed them, verse 1 to 3, you have seen it there. Ridiculous lang- is the language of devil. Indeed, the Bible indicates that Satan is a liar and an accuser of, of the brethren. It is his business to deceive and discourage and make no mistake about it. And that's exactly what Sambalas was doing. You can imagine, Tobiah also came. Uh, uh, le- let me say maybe it's also a mouthpiece. He came as a mouthpiece. He added to it saying that even if a fox, we all know a fox, fox is like a cat, but bigger than a cat. If a cat is walking on top of a wall, we know how light it will be. Not to talk of a fox walking on top of a wall, and instead that if a, wall, if, if, uh, a fox will walk on it, it will collapse. Is it not discouraging them? It's discouraging them. So, political can be effective when you listen to it, when you look into it, when you are you, you you devote your attention to it, that ridicule can be effective. Those who can stand bravely, that can stand stand bravely when they are shot at, if uh, even when lion is coming or something is coming, that they can stand their ground. But I'm telling you, just as a little ridicule to them, they will shield. They will melt completely. So, let's look at how Sambalat ridiculed these people. The A part is, he belittled them. He belittled, he called them, what are those people just doing? He rubbish the quality of what they were doing. Be, that is enough to discourage them that we have been... Struggling to do this thing, somebody just came and rubbish it. That is enough for him. So, Sanballat, he, he knows the type of word to use just to discourage them. He talked purposely to his friend. I'm sure that when he was saying, when he, when he, what, oh, many of his friends they would be laughing. And many of us, when we laughed at shame, we cash off with us. So, this is discouragement. He talked pompously to his friend. No doubt that these Jews are attempting something foolish with the aim in mind of power or profit. So, to him, they are trying to because to human beings generally, we talk about power and profit in whatever we are doing. That is how the worldly people are. And to some balance, because he was a governor, also he's talking about power, he doesn't want them to take the power away from him. Number two, be, be part of ridicule that he has made. He mocked their ambition. We do restore the world. That is, the ambition is to restore the world. He mocked them. He mocked that their vision. The three parts, see? He mocked their confidence. Because their confidence is that they, the, the, the confidence is that they, they, they pray to God. Will they offer sacrifice? What he's saying here, most likely is a Christian that goes something like this. Do they think they can pray and the world will, will come up? Do they believe that their devotion to God will make the world to magically rise from the rubble, so he mocked them. Deep at, he made full of their enthusiasm. The way they were working, will they finish in a day? Do they have any idea of what they are attempting to do? Do they know that they are biting more than they can chew? So he mocked them. He mocked their enthusiasm. He, he undermined their confidence. All this one are in verse 1 to 3. He undermines their confidence. Can they bring some back to life? And the implication is no. They don't have a chance. Then, to make it worse, like I said earlier, in verse 3, Tobia made fun, suggesting that even the light full step of a force will be sufficient enough to knock the world down. What do you think will be happening? People will be laughing at them. And these are the people that they are putting their best. They are putting their best together and somebody came and started ridiculing. them. So, children of God, don't listen to people that mock you. Don't listen to people that belittle you. You might not be where they want you to be. But God has plan for you. He has planned for you. So don't listen to them. Don't allow them to take away your glory. Don't allow them the plan that God has planned for you. Don't allow people that are mocking you. But one thing is that you yourself, don't mock yourself. Don't feel inferior. Don't allow inferiority complex. Oh, they are calling me outside to come and speak. What am I going to say? What will I talk about? How will I do it? Already you are discouraging yourself. In the case of these people, Sambalas and Tobias and their cronies and their supporters, they were mocking them. They were mocking them. But as we go along, we will discover whether it is effective or not. Number two. The number one is ridicule. Number two is false. Show of false. Verse seven to eight. Show of force. They are never went beyond ridicule to make a show of force. We are not sure if that is the real. If 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 whatever they are saying is real or they are just bluffing, we are not sure. We don't know if they were actually making plans to attack or not, or if they are just displaying military power. But we do know that from. Every direction, people in Jerusalem could see enemies that time. From every direction. That's, and God has instructed them, love your neighbors. That includes your enemy, because your neighbor might be your enemy. So in their own case, their neighbors is their enemy. God's people, sometimes, we have some difficulties to do what we want to do some difficulties to do what we want to do because of the circumstances that surround us. It's left for you to allow that, to discourage you. God's people sometimes have difficulty working together. But the people of the world have no problem in uniting, in opposing the work of God. Only God knows how long it took Nehemiah before he gathered those people to do that work. But for this enemy that surrounded them, for them to come up, it doesn't take them time to gather together, let us go and ridicule them, let us go and mock them. And they are not doing just that alone. They were showing force. If you read silently 7 to 8, you will see that they were really showing force. So, these two points are the external causes for, Nehe- uh, for people of Jerusalem. I want you to examine yourself. Are there any forces around you that when you look at it, your mind will jump up that, how can I survive this? How, what can I do about it? These are external forces that are discouraging you from doing what you ought to do. It's left for you not to allow that to cause discouragement in your life. Praise the Lord. We move to internal causes of discouragement. Notice the thing we see happening in verses 10 to 12. For all the excitement of chapter 2, if, if you go back home, go and read Nehemiah 1 to 3, then this fold. you will understand better. For all the excitement of chapter 2, and for all the unified commitment of hard work, We see in chapter 3. We really see the reality of situation in chapter 4. It means, it was not when they started in chapter 4 that this enemy started noticing them. They have been seeing what was going going on earlier. So they have been gathering their potential, see how they can attack them. One of the things that is true, in any work we undertake for God, is that sometimes uh, we are naive. We say, okay, because we are doing something for God, that uh, maybe everything will go smoothly. Even God Himself will try to make sure that He wants to see how strong you are. The gold we use, the earring, the gold we use, pass through fire before they begin to shine. So, also, God wants to. Put us through some tests. It's left nice for you not to allow this test to discourage you. So, when we are talking of internal causes, these are the things that either you cause it yourself or you allow the circumstances that surround you to cause that internal causes. We will look at the book, these people of Nehemiah. The number one causes is fatigue, verse 10. Fatigue setting. The strength of burden bearer is failing. We can simply put it that the, the workers are tired. They were hitting it hard and they needed some rest. When you are physically drained, it is very easy to become discouraged at the slightest problem. This is what happened to these people. They became discouraged immediately, because they were getting tired. Fatigue setting. That is in verse 10. Praise God. Verse 10 says, again they are saying, we cannot rebuild the world. That is also in verse 10. They were ready to throw in the towel. Why? Because they were tired. Go back to verse six and see what was written. Brother, can you read verse six for us? You see, these are the same set of people in that verse six. Now, in verse ten, discouragement are set They were they were saying, "Can we rebuild the wall?" Doubt, they were now doubting of what is happening. Don't allow doubt to discourage you. Don't allow fatigue to discourage you. If you are feeling tired, you have to wash it out. Tiredness can lead to discouragement. Remember what God did when Elijah was tired. He sent an angel to give him some bread and something to drink. And they told him to go back to sleep. The same thing you can do. Sometimes you need to rest. You cannot burn the candle at both ends on a long time basis. At times, the most crucial thing for us to do is to go to bed. Don't force yourself. When you see you are getting weaker, you are getting tired, The best thing for you is to rest. So fatigue can discourage us. So don't allow that to happen to you. Number two, frustration. These people, the job is just more than what they are able to do. Who are we fooling? I wonder if the thing they have had Sambala saying will begin to register to have shameful effects intended by Satan and his messenger in their life. Verse 10 again. Continue by saying that there is so much rubble. Now, you know they are building from the rubble that rubble of the world that collapsed. When they were doing it in verse 6, they were not complaining. But when the tiredness set in, then it was then they discovered that For them to get the right stone to use for the world is taking them time. Then it was then they noticed the frustration. Don't allow the frustration of your work to take away the blessing you're supposed to receive. Don't allow the frustration of your life to get away the blessing of God that you're supposed to get from the service. Maybe the weekly service you are invited, you you come back from work, and you, you are feeling tired, and uh, a lot of things have happened in the office that you have carried over home. Then, you think of the traffic on the way. You say, okay, I will not be going today. That means all those things that happen have frustrated you. They are not encouraging you. To go for that service. That service might be your appointed time. It might be the time that God has chosen for you. Don't allow frustration to discourage you. They became discouraged because they were so aggravated with the situation. I'm sure they were encountering old broken blocks. For those in construction industry, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe they're supposed to get the right block to, that we fit in into that particular place. They are taking more than 10 blocks. They have not found anyone that is fit enough. This is frustration. In verse 6, they never notice that. So, don't allow frustration to take your bless, blessing away from you. It is then they now noticed that, oh, the junk was everywhere. And that was frustrating them. It is easy for us to look at our weakness rather than God's strength, just as they lost sight of their goals. So we too can lose sight of our goal when we have too much garbage in our life. I don't know what troubles is in your life, but it may be the possession you are holding. You are holding on to. Even unhealthy relationship. That might be the, the rubble in your life. Is there anything you have committed? That you are thinking of? Or is there anything anything you have been playing around with, with for a long time? Do you have something you have been doing in secret? That you are thinking no one else. Know about it. It is very easy for us. Hebrew 12, 1. Challenge us to get rid of anything that causes us to be frustrated in our pursuit of ungodliness. Hebrew 12, 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race marked out for us. Don't allow frustration. If you look at the life of David the Bible describes David as a man of God's own heart. But David was a man who got into a very good bit of trouble. He has committed so many sins. But for the Bible to describe him in this way why? Why do you think he was described in that way? To me I believe that because he was a man who consistently saw God's strength as being more important than his weakness. I want you to hold to that. See God's strength in your life. When frustration setting, when fatigue sets in, see God's strength in your life. So when you see that, then you will, you will overcome. Let's look at Jesus Christ. When he was arrested, they mocked him. He was mocked, but he keeps looking on to the father. When he was hung up, they were still mocking him. But he was still looking at the father. Or the small boy in the Bible. That somebody mocked his God. I'm talking about David now. He was a small boy. Goliath mocked God. But David went with God sling. And what happened? Because he believed in the strength of God. You need to believe the strength of God. No mountain too big for God to bring down. There is no river that is too wide that God cannot open. I'm talking of even the ocean. If he can part the way of the Red Sea for the children of God to pass through. What are those things that are going on in your life? What are those discouragements that you are facing, that you think that God cannot part? Don't allow discouragement, uh, frustration to frustrate you. Another one is fear. This is in verse 11 to 12. We move faster now because of our time. Even we said the tribe of Lion of Judah. Even the Judah people came to inform them that this is what we heard these people saying. They are coming to attack you. That created fear in their life. And when the fear set in, what will happen? Discouragement, we also set in. And according to verse 11 to 12, the people from Judah surrounding, Judah's surrounding Jerusalem came up to the people again and again with the world of concern and fear. Then the Jews who live near them came and told us, ten times over. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. They begin to fear. Like I said earlier, we don't know whether that is the truth or they just want to intimidate them so that they will stop that work. Don't allow fear to intimidate you to take away your goals from you. Don't allow that. Don't give it a chance. Don't give it a thought. Fear is paralyzing and fear is contagious. And there was enough of it to go around. Because if in this life of the people, the, they came and intimidated, uh, uh, intimidated them with, uh, with, by mocking them. Again, they were showing forces that if you don't stop, that why we are going to attack you. So, these three points are the area where devil wants to use against the people of God from accomplish their goals. I don't know if it is applicable to you. Search yourself internally. Are you feeling the fatigue? Is frustration setting in? Are you afraid? So, you need to have this in mind. And again, like we have said earlier, don't allow ridicule to take away your goal. Don't allow force. That is external causes now. So, quickly we look at the cure for this discouragement. Let me tell you definitely that discouragement is curable disease. This is a good news. And I'm sure from what I've been saying, you know that Maybe you have been discouraged one way or the other. Now you begin to see that, yes, yes, I can get over it. May a face great challenge, the, the greatest challenge of his life. One thing is that if he fails to act wisely, he may retain his governorship position, but his leadership will be questioned by his people. And physically in in life today, we are passing through that. If you are a leader, if you are not leading the right path, or your followers see some um, form of fear in you, you are discouraging them. It is not so easy, but with God, with you believing the strength of God, you will overcome it. Praise God. Now, let's quickly look at what action he took to overcome the The number one is prayer. Verse uh, 4 to 5. The sun looming. If nothing is done, but Nehemiah, as we might expect by now, begin his rest on, on his knee. He called upon God for vengeance. There is brutal honesty in that prayer. If you look at the kind of prayer before then, In the jungle of Africa. A lion was pursuing one man. And the man began to pray. God, turn this beast to a Christian. Turn this beast to a Christian. Then suddenly the man looked back. He noticed that the lion is not following him. He saw the lion kneeling down, praying. Then he tried to find out what kind of prayer that the lion was being was making. You know the prayer? And the lion was praying, Oh God, bless this food that I'm about to eat now. Has God not answered his prayer? That he should turn to Christian. And the lion started blessing the food. But in case of Nehemiah, he knows that these are the enemy, right? Now, verse 5, brother, can you read 4 and 5 together? See the kind of prayer that he offers, so that you will know exactly what to do when that time comes. Verse 5.
1: Verse 5. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins. For they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders.
0: Verse 5. Up to 5. 4 and 5. 4 and 5. Okay.
1: Verse 4, then I prayed, hear us, O God, for we have been mocked. May their their scoffing fall back on their own heads. And may they they themselves become captive in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt and do not blot out their sins. For they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders.
0: Praise God. We can see that he is not praying that they should turn believers. Like that man was praying that the lion should become Christian. And really, the lion became Christian and blessed the food. Nehemiah is not doing the same thing. He was not doing the same thing. He prayed. He prayed. He's not praying that they become believers, but instead, for God to judge them. This was a nice prayer. Will you say? So it's the right prayer. What I'm saying in essence is that know the kind of prayer you need to offer at the right time. If enemy is coming to you, you are saying that, yeah, this is enemy. You are praying that, make him a Christian. And, you know, the rest is for you to think about it. So Nehemiah know the right prayer to do. Know the right prayer to offer when you are in a distressed situation. Know that, Verse 9, you know, go into that on your own and because of our time we will not be looking that. Number 2 is perseverance. You need to neglect all the odd of co- discouragement. Don't allow the distractors to distract you. This we, we notice in verses 6 and 15. Even in verse 21 says we carry on the work. In fact, we see in verse 21 a Doubling of their effort over time. The job is supposed to end by what time? As verse 21 put it, by sunset. But they walk on to when the star rises. For those of us who have lived where the, the electricity is being cut off, you can see the star. You know, the, It's not the moment that is the, the sun sets that the star will come out. So they work Extra. That is perseverance. Don't allow all those things to discourage you. Keep trying. Give everything to God. Lay it before God. Don't be discouraged. Really, these people, they fear discouragement. So, and at the same time, they were able to come over whatever the problem that they had. Number three, planning. The planning, we see that in verse 13, 16 to 20. You will see that in that particular area, Nehemiah was able to plan very well. He knows that these people were bluffing. They were gathering their forces together. They can attack them at any time. If you go through that verse 16 to 20, you will notice that he planned very well. He restrategized. You also can do the same thing. If you are doing business and the business is this way and you are not seeing profit, you are being discouraged. Take a U turn. Lay it before God. Reply yourself. The discouragement will be taken away from you. Go through that verses on your own. You will see how he arranged it. Even people that are working, the bricklayers, they have their weapon by their side. The trumpeter is at is on the high level worship in case they are coming they will not go back home and say okay the enemies are coming i need to i need to get my weapon no right from there they are getting their weapon they are getting their weapon so you need to replan reorganize yourself in such a way that you will not be fully discouraged You will not be partially discouraged. You will not even be discouraged at all. So whatever you are doing, the best thing for you to remember, pray the right prayer. Don't pray amiss. Do not pray amiss. Pray the right prayer and plan yourself. Brethren, when we are discouraged, one of the things we can do is to reorganize our priorities. You can look at your life you can adopt a change in approach instead of become, becoming so discouraged that you quit. Don't quit. Winner never quits. Number four positive reinforcement. Verse 14. Nehemiah said two things here, and they are both important. Number one is remember the Lord, who is the giver of victory. Always remember the Lord. Number one, sister. Always remember the Lord, who is the giver of victory. Would the worker even forget God? Will we, in the immediacy of difficulty situation? Yes, we might forget. Paul urged Timot- Timot- Timothy in Second Timothy two, remember Jesus Christ. That's how George uh, Paul urged Timot- Timothy. Nehemiah continuously remember God and he called his worker to do the same, the same. God is one who is able to give us victory. And we can get caught up in a situation in life, even in ministry. In, we can get up caught in a situation. But all you need to do is to remember the Lord. Two, fight. He told them to fight. That is That was why he prepared them that they all have their weapon by their side. They don't have to go anywhere before they get their weapon. So he urged them to fight. Brethren, there are elements of battle which are involved in today in our society and churches. We as believers, we need to fight and guide against our surroundings and our uh, churches for this evil agenda. We all know what is happening now. We hear about same-sex marriage. These are things that is going wrong in our surroundings. We don't need to surrender. We need to fight against it. Don't be a politician that they will say okay before, because if I condemn it, they will not vote for me. Don't say because you are looking for one favor or the other, they are discussing something that you feel that that Bible is not a recognizing that the Word of God is not supporting, and you try to sit on defense. And when you are not sitting on defense, you are not talking, or you are trying to bend towards their side. So we need to fight, prepare—not physical fight. We need to fight against all odds that can discourage us. In certain country, they voted that. The same sex marriage should be, uh, should be accepted. This uh, is a country that somebody like me, I'm looking at it, that all of them are Christian. Recently devoted. We have to fight these enemies. Then preparedness. Preparedness. You need to prepare. Verse 9b, 21 and 23. The workers were armed with building tools and weaponry. They have it, I've said that. So they are prepared, like Boy Scouts, be prepared. That's the motto of the Boy Scout. Always be prepared. When you are prepared, you will not be discouraged. You are in a battle, you use whatever in your disposal, including preparation to fight. Finally, bro- brethren, Paul calls us to take on, on the armor of God. Can I have the last slide? Okay. That is the final message to you. I want you to read it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might, might, put on the whole armor of God, that we may be able to stand against the will of devil. That is verse 10 to 11. Then verse 13 says again, wherefore, Take unto you the old armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. and having done all to stand. Praise the Lord. Let us rise up. We are going to tell God, Lord, every Sambalat and Tobia in my life, hear the word of God. Destroy them in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything that can discourage you, Everything that you feel that can discourage you. It is the time for you to tell God that they have to be taken away. Don't pity them. You know whatever it may be. Don't have pity on them. Whatever that we take things away from you, pray, pray, pray. Continue to tell God. Continue to tell God. Every sambalat and Tobias in your life.
2: In Jesus' name we pray. In closing, I want us to look very carefully at what was just spoken to us. If you notice in the scripture, it was discouragement that stopped the children of Israel to enter the promised land the first time when God had originated for them to enter. It was only discouragement that stopped them. So what type of discouragement the enemy is throwing at you from stopping you to receive what God has got in store in your lives. We fail to see that. We fail to see that the enemy is throwing the same type of discouragement. Is it sickness that you have given up hope thinking that you are not going to be healed or your family members not going to be healed? Or is it lack of finance that you think that God is not going to answer? There is something that you want to do and you lack finance and the enemy is throwing that at you. That's not going to be fulfilled in your life. Or you have just lost your job or going to lose your job. You are given the termination and now you have become discouraged. Or you want to go to some place and suddenly the enemy has thrown something at you. And you and your entire family are discouraged. Or some loved one slandered your name. A family member, a friend, and you are totally discouraged because you didn't expect that person to speak bad of you. Or is it because you have been praying for something for a long time and the answer has still not come? The enemy now has thrown discouragement for you to doubt God. Look at your life and see which area. You are about to cross into the promised land and the enemy has now put a wall in before you and said, God is not going to answer. So, why would anyone get discouraged in life? The reason is, the people get discouraged in life is because they have lack of faith. They have stopped believing in the supernatural power of God. The enemy will make you feel that God is unjust. The enemy will make you feel that God is unfair to you. That he doesn't care for you. But he wants you to suffer this. God doesn't want you to suffer. Amen? Most of the time, discouragement comes from within. Most of the time, it comes from within. Somebody close to you, somebody that you love, the enemy will throw discouragement at you. In the story that we have, in the message that we heard regarding Nehemiah, what made these people go against Nehemiah? What made them do that? Have you ever thought of it? These people were from the same bloodline of David. But down the line for many years, they have given their children in marriage to the evens. Now, that was more important to them, their family ties than what God was going to get restored. Many times we sell our birthright to the enemy and we never allow God to manifest His glory in our lives. Amen? Now, Christian battle is not against flesh and blood, but against Satan and his demonic forces that uses flesh and blood to oppose God's purpose in our lives. Satan uses flesh and blood, to oppose every God's purpose in our life. If we hope to win the war and finish the work of God in our lives, just as the last scripture said, we must enforce Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18 in our lives at all times. If we focus on the visible enemy alone, and we forget the invisible enemy We will surely lose. There is always, we only focus on the visible person, but we forget to focus on the supernatural person that we don't see. Nehemiah got encouragement from prayer and the promise of God. You need to mix this both. You need to take your prayer life. You need to take God's word and join it together and say, God, no powers of darkness is going to put me down in Jesus' name. Today, let us bow our heads and ask God, God, I want to hold on to the promises you have given me. Promises where I will not go in defeat, but I will be victorious. I want you to just hold the person's hand next to you. Just two minutes, let us pray for this person and say, God, let every promise that you have in this person's life be fulfilled in Jesus' name. And as you pray, God, I pray that if this brother or sister is going through any type of discouragement, whatever be the source, I break it in the name of Jesus. Take authority right now. You have been given all authority that is in heaven. And it's yours to command today. Maybe that person is going through some financial area. Maybe sickness maybe discouragement, maybe something has turned them back and they are doubting God. Bring them back and say, God, I pray that this person will come back to the cross. Please pray. Please pray for that person, whoever that person is. As you lift up that person today, God is going to lift you up. Father, we pray, Master. Nothing stop Nehemiah from doing the work that you called him to do. I pray that nothing will stop us from the calling that you have in our lives in Jesus' name. No powers of darkness that is above or below can ever stop us from achieving what God has got in store for us. Father, I pray for every brother and sister here this afternoon. Father, I pray that you will answer their prayer, Master. I pray that you will take away discouragement from their lives, Lord God. Father, I pray that they will never think that you are unfair. Father, I pray, Lord God, take away the lack of faith and give them pure faith, Lord God. Faith to trust you. Faith to hope in you, Lord God. Let them have this faith that you will never leave them. You will never forsake them, Daddy. Today, I pray a blessing upon everybody here. And every church member. Every family member that belongs to every member here, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, no powers of darkness shall ever come against them, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we can share the benediction, the usual place to move out is on my left. May God bless you to be fruitful this week. And everything that you touch will be a blessing. May you be a blessing to your neighbors. May you be a blessing to your friends. May you be a blessing to your family. May you be a blessing to your job place. May you be a blessing to this nation. And above all, may you be a blessing to the purpose of what God has called you to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give God the glory. Only He deserves the glory. Only He deserves the honor. Only He deserves the praise. Let us share the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us. Now and forevermore. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Forever and ever. For the last time forever and ever. God bless you.